It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about why it might be time for you to shop around your auto insurance. I'm also going to address a trend in the U.S. that I want us to think through, and that is that people in their teens overwhelmingly don't ever have a job anymore, and that's something that troubles me. I want to talk about that. So auto insurance rates have gone up quite a bit overall in the last three years. And there are very specific reasons that are legitimate reasons why auto insurance rates have gone up. All right, first, well, the cost of repairing vehicles or when a vehicle's totaled, the cost of the insurer paying off that vehicle, both went way up because of the supply shortages that were so prominent in 21 and part of 22. Both of those pressure points are relieving now, but it was a true legitimate, much higher expense level for auto insurers as people's vehicles would be damaged or totaled what they were having to pay in claims so much higher. And so that's absolutely a factor. Second factor, for some reason, Americans are more reckless behind the wheel today than they were four years ago. We are driving more aggressively. It seems like if you remember back in 20 with all the lockdowns and shutdowns and all that, roads were wide open. A lot of people developed some really bad habits driving much faster and all that. And the accident rates have in many places around the country been meaningfully higher. The death rates behind the wheel have been pretty ugly. The spike has been surprisingly bad, particularly when you think about how road design is much safer than it used to be. And vehicles are much safer than they used to be. And so this spike in fatality rates is disturbing. All those things cost more money. And then the third factor no one ever talks about is that the way insurers ultimately make their money is off investments. And their investments cratered along with the rest of us experiencing what happened with the marketplace. And so all these have led to cost pressures that vary per insurer. And this is the key thing for you to know. The cost of insuring your vehicle right now has a bigger disparity from one insurer to another than it normally would. It's always been true that there are advantages to shopping your auto insurance because the way you're rated by one insurer or the way premiums are set for your driving profile with one insurer could be very different, will be very different from another insurer, another, another, like that. But now, because different insurers are having different experiences with their investment portfolios, may have had different experiences with overall claims and costs associated with those, there are bigger disparities 
and bigger benefits to you shopping your auto insurance. So I encourage you to do so because you remember when you do shop, shop the same coverages from one insurer to another. Do not let them say, oh, well, we'll save you all this money, but then look behind the curtain. They may be selling you what many places are called state minimums instead of the level of coverages you have otherwise. I talked with a gentleman who owns a body shop recently, and how do you end up talking with someone who owns a body shop? Well, because your vehicle was damaged, and so we have a vehicle that I should say that was actually a good story of human nature. A woman hit our parked car, no one in the car, and stayed instead of fleeing the scene. When I was talking to the owner of the body shop, a claims specialist with one of the major insurers came in. He was laughing. He said, that's one I haven't heard lately, that somebody stayed when they could have gotten away. That was really great that the woman was honest, stayed, and took her lumps for having hit a parked car. But anyway, the body shop man was talking about how many people now have too low of coverages, and when they have a problem where they need to get their vehicle repaired, they're so underinsured, they're out of pocket. Or if their state permits too little coverage for the damage they cause to somebody else, they run through all their coverage, then they face being sued for the remainder. So be careful what your coverage limits are. Don't take low coverage limits just to get a lower premium. Make sure you have that adequate coverage. Years ago, I told you a story about a very successful surgeon who ended up bankrupt because he'd bought state minimums on insurance. His teenage daughter had an accident that caused severe injuries to someone in another vehicle, her fault, and it bankrupted the family. So make sure you have those adequate coverages as you shop around and get quotes, but get those quotes. Krista? Dave in Tennessee says, should I buy title fraud insurance? I see many celebrities endorsing one product for $19.95 a month. And we get $240 a year? Yes. And we, we get this question get all the lot. time. So our Consumer Action Center usually handles them, but I thought we should do a refresher. Yeah. All right. So it's referred to as title fraud, title lock, title this, title that, title the other. There are rare circumstances where someone will attempt to steal the value of your home. They'll find someone who has a lot of equity in their home, or they'll find a house that looks not to be occupied. Could be someone has gone into a nursing home or whatever. A third of homes in the United States roughly are owned free and clear. And the title fraud they commit is they impersonate the person who owns the property and they take out a loan against that property. A lot of things have to go wrong for this to be able to happen. And again, it's an infrequent crime. It's ugly when it happens, but it's very infrequent. Many counties now offer a notification system where is the property owner of record, you will be notified when someone attempts an action against your title, such as taking out a loan. And those registrations are free. And before you would ever consider buying one of these title, this is different than an owner's title policy or lender's title policy we talk about. That's about things that happen with your home before you owned it. This is when you own it. This is a very rare crime. 
So start with your county. If they have the notification service, sign up for that free service. and You won't need this. And then the other thing, think it through. This is a very rare crime. We cannot insure against every possibility. If you start getting weird mail from lenders and things like that, you know there's monkey business going on, and you need to pay very close attention to that. But I wouldn't pay, and I have not ever paid, for one of these subscription services. What, can I just ask you to clarify what kind of weird mail? Lenders saying um, money? Uh, thank you for your inquiry about mm. a loan, whatever. Something where it looks like there's activity going on with somebody attempting yes. to originate a loan against your property. So not just like a refi offer. but Right. Like, yeah, gotcha. Larry in Ohio says, what do you think of refinancing an auto loan with an online financial service? I came across one offering as low as 1.49%. Is this legit? Uh, 1.49 probably is not happening in the marketplace right now. They were that cheap for a while when interest rates were a lot lower. But yes, there are people who do affordable refis of auto loans. This is something I encourage anyone to do ever financed a vehicle with a bank or particularly with a car dealer. You can go to a credit union Sometimes your insurer will offer much cheaper vehicle loans. It could be one of these online lenders. And you replace the way overpriced, too high interest rate loan that you have on your vehicle with a cheaper, lower interest rate loan. I did look at a few credit union loan rates and the refi rates, depending on how old the car and et cetera, but they were generally 4 to 6%. And this lender, Larry asked about, they have the lower rates for new car loans. So I think that might have been the confusion. But the refi, the loan rates available if you have a couple year old car that is one that you finance in the last couple of years, almost certainly you'll be able to get a really good rate. I think potentially lower than even the fours right now. If you do want to refi that rate and take out that loan from the dealer or from a bank. Dan in Ohio says, while bicycling, I was recently broadsided by a motorist. I filed an accident slash police report after the motorist failed to return calls to me. I want him to pay for my bike repairs. Since filing, a ton of lawyers have been contacting me, wanting to represent me on contingency. They've read the incident and police report and should realize it's only a bicycle and injuries that were minor enough that I walked away from the scene. Still, I'm tempted to go with one of them as I feel this motorist shouldn't be let off the hook. How do I go about selecting one of these attorneys? So, okay, Dan, they're all soliciting for business from you. But once they do an interview with you and they find out there's no real money to be made because you have no serious injuries, it may be a waste of your time. What I would do is I would file against this guilty party in small claims court. It's cheap to file. You will have your day in court. And the individual who's avoiding responsibility for repairing your bike and is lucky they didn't kill you or injure you severely should do the right thing. And once they get notice of a suit, they will probably at that point say, okay, what do you want? And I think that would be my next step. You know, if you go to a personal injury, these are all personal injury lawyers soliciting you. They're all trying to get you to sign a contract with them. But once they see that you're just fine, you're absolutely A-OK, -okay, you have no lasting injuries, nothing of meaning, 
you're not worth their effort and they're just going to waste your time and the opportunity for you to go after this individual. You have another suggestion as well, right? Um, well, I was just wondering, I was going to ask you, like, if Dan has the guy's auto insurance company, should he reach out to them? He, yeah, you would have that. And that is a perfectly smart thing to do is to contact the insurer. Now, a lot of insurers, depending on the state, because insurance is regulated by the state, may say we have to hear from our client, from our customer, their side of the story. But that is actually a good idea. But I also think small claims court, because that is a very low risk, low cost environment for you, might be a good way to proceed. I think about when I got hit by a car as a pedestrian, I had to have an MRI following the company. I was on company property and got hit by a manager of that company. They would never take responsibility for it. And I was urged over and over again, and there were listeners who were very unhappy that I didn't go hire a lawyer, but I decided I was not going to do that. And yes, did that company get away with it? It was ridiculous. I was only seeking $300 for an MRI and had no lasting injuries, even though I was sore at the time. It was dumb of them not to pay it. And I could have gone full bore against them. But I didn't. I expect most people would have the good judgment, good common sense. Don't stir up a hornet's nest, which is exactly what's happening in this case with Den. They're trying to stir up a hornet's nest. Why would you do that? Good question, right? We're going to talk about another thing. Good question. Why is it that most teenagers today don't work and have never had a job? We're going to talk that through. So the percent of teens that work, even people into their early 20s, has been going down, down, down. And I've been fascinated going around to visit colleges with my 17-year-old son, where when they talk about what they're looking for on applicants' application to college is your grades, your involvement in school activities, your involvement in volunteer activities. And over and over again, I've been stunned. I have not yet heard work experience. I mean, it blows my mind. I required all three of my kids at age 15 to have a traditional job. My two daughters both worked in restaurants, and my son was a lifeguard at a water park. I think that it's really important for teens to have real-world work experience. And I think when you work as a teenager, not only are you bringing in money, but you're having that experience. In addition, you learn the right way to teach people. Because when you work as a teen, you're at the low end of the totem pole. And you get to see how people should not be treated. And as you progress in your life and you end up being a supervisor, maybe, or a manager or whatever, you know the right things to do where you're respectful, caring, and you treat workers with dignity. Anyway, that's my big bias. And today, do you know, I saw a stat that blew my mind, only a little more than half of people up to their early 20s have ever held a job of any kind. Seriously. 
But then the other extreme is I read a, a story recently about states passing child labor laws that allow kids to work in really dangerous jobs. And that, to me, is a step way too far. One of the states, I forget which one, has a thing where they're trying to let kids work in meat plants. I got to tell you, meat packing plants have extremely high and dangerous injury problems. Kids can have horrific accidents working those facilities. I mean, you got to think through where a kid would work. And where I worked as a young kid, we didn't have child labor laws when I was growing up. And I had my first real job in a business at 11 years old. And I was around danger that today would not be common sense to have a kid around. But there's a lot of things a kid can do that give them a lot of meaningful experience. They bring in that paycheck. They learn the value of a dollar. And I feel like it's something we should really encourage our kids to do. And I don't think they should work way too much. Like somewhere probably around 15 hours a week is a really good sweet spot for a teenager to be working during the school year cycle. And then in summer, work full time. And yes, be involved in school activities. Be involved in community events. But most teenagers spend a lot of time socializing, maybe gaming, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. But idle time is the devil's workshop. I think there's significant value towards a kid working. And Krista, in your family culture, that's very much what you expect too. Your daughter, Claire, was working last summer between college years, was working three jobs? Yeah, she actually did have three jobs. Yeah. And when she comes home for breaks, she works. She works at school. And she's really self-motivated too with it. And she's she loves her Roth IRA, tries to convince her friends to do it. My son, we have to push a little more. Well, I mean, you know, we all have that kind yes. of experience, particularly <laughs> with sons. Anyway, but my kids have really great work ethics. And I feel like it started by having them. It was, it was not an option. It was mandatory in my household that they have a traditional paying job as a mid-teen at 15. And I think parents do a kid a disservice when they say, oh, well, they're doing all this activity or all these sports or whatever. Work, work has value. Okay. Enough of a lecture of <laughs> old man dad. <laughs> Les in Florida says, I have an Epson Eco Tank printer and it's working great. I love not having to buy expensive refills so often, but even these tanks run out of ink eventually. Do you recommend for or against using the cheaper off-brand refill inks for this printer? If so, what brands do you recommend? For the Epson EcoTank line, definitely buy their ink. It's so cheap. There's no reason to buy third party. You know, the marketplace has created an enormous need to buy third party with particularly the Hewlett-Packard business model, which is charging $7,000 a gallon for printer ink. And it's just such a terrible con of the American people, what Hewlett-Packard and some of Hewlett-Packard's competitors do with printers. And in their cases, yes, buy third-party ink because the cost savings are so tremendous. But a lot of printers won't even let you use the third-party The digital rights management, they are using the 
Copyright Act of 1999, something weird like that, to put this digital thing on it to try to prevent you from using third-party ink. And to me, that is such a restraint of trade. I think it's horrific. The key is reward companies that sell printers that don't do that business model. Epson plays both sides of the street here. They sell the ultra-low ink cost printers, and then they sell more traditional people. They're just looking for a cheap printer and want to ignore the ink cost. The printer cost is nothing. It's the ink that matters. And then Brother does both things, where they have very affordable printers to use in terms of the ink, and then they have the ones you buy the printer cheap, and the ink is expensive. So it's your money. Know that buying the the low-cost printer up front will cost you big time over time. Mark in Florida says, on a recent podcast, a listener mentioned the high cost of MRIs and other tests that are being pushed by doctors and hospitals. You were dead on in your response. I recently had to have an MRI and was quoted $5,367 for a single MRI at the facility that was recommended by the doctor. Coincidentally, my deductible was $5,400. I checked around... (laughs) And you would not believe it, but another independent facility offered to do it for $250 as a self-pay customer. How can this be possible? Who should I contact to try to get some attention to this outrageous scam? Okay, first of all, you've done exactly that, Mark, by talking about it right here. So what's going on all over the country is these major hospital systems that are supposed nonprofits are gobbling up medical practices, primary care specialists, all the rest. And it's all about referral business for imaging, for admissions, everything. And they're marking up, in your case, the markup is, was that 20 times over, 21 times over? That's completely normal. Having a test done at a hospital being 20 times more expensive than it would be freestanding outside, That's kind of run of the mill. People don't know. And what you've done, Mark, is you're letting them know that when a test is ordered by your doctor, find out what it's going to cost first, where the doctor's sending you. Almost always that doctor is doing a referral required of him or her, or that they have a financial incentive to refer. And that's why you see what it is, third party, and... For most of us with insurance, paying for an MRI freestanding is cheaper paying cash and not involving insurance than using the insurance we have. Matthew in Michigan says, this is a comment, not a question. The person with the child who is going to pay to watch a surgery. My wife is a surgical nurse and they are always willing to let people shadow for a day. Arrangements must be made ahead of time, but professionals are willing to share their experiences. This was the teen who was invited to the... Yeah, but would have to... Yeah, this is fantastic. Matthew, thank you so much. I was not aware of that. That is a great suggestion to be a shadow for the day. You get to see so much and hear so much, and you learn so much from what you hear from the medical professionals while you're shadowing. So... I appreciate that very much. And that's part of the spirit of what we're about. The Team Clark spirit is that we all learn from each other. There's no way that as a guy or 
Chris said the two of us together, there's no way we can have the range of knowledge that comes from the collective wisdom of all of us together. And thank you very much for mentioning this to us. Hopefully that will be very helpful to a number of people. And I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Speaking of helping each other, join us at our community at clark.com slash community.